Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What Happened for the week of October 21st, 2018. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and this week we have stories in tech, games, and movies. First up, I'm going to start off with tech and with Google specifically. Google is now mandating two years of security updates for Android phones. Diverge is reporting that Google is now mandating phone manufacturers to give customers two years of security updates. The news outlet received copies of confidential contracts between Google and manufacturers that shed a bit more light on this. With the two-year minimum requirement, the contract states that for the first year of an Android device, the companies must push out at least four security updates. As to when they take effect, this contract took effect at the start of the year, with devices launching after January 31st, 2018, and with 100,000 users. There is also a clause where any flaw that Google determines needs to be fixed must be patched within 90 days. Phone companies for years have been slacking on updates for their devices, both feature updates and security patches. Now, if these companies continue to slip and not meet these new standards, Google has the right to hold back approval for new phones, thus stopping their release. I think this is great, and I do like Google is flexing their muscle a bit here. For years, phone companies have been slacking with their updates, and that is something that has been a negative if you have an Android phone. If you're on, if you're on iOS, you have an iPhone, you have an iPad, you get every September, new update, new update, new update. And even if you have an older device, you're guaranteed at least three to four years of updates. Now, if you have an Android phone, even if you have a top-tier Pixel phone, you got a Galaxy Note, you have a S8, S9, you're only really guaranteed one to two years, if that. Phone companies need to take care of the phones that they actually make and thus provide and improve the customer satisfaction with it, especially since the higher-end phones are starting to become more expensive, too. Like the Note 9. It's a fantastic device, probably one of the best ever made right as of now. But why would I drop a thousand dollars for a phone that I can't even get a guarantee how many updates it will get? Also, not even the feature updates, but will it still be a secure phone after a year or two? Are they still going to push out security patches? So I'm happy Google's doing this and hopefully it does improve the quality of the software on the phones. Google limits fast charging on Pixel 3. So with the launch of the Pixel 3 and 3XL, Google also released a Pixel Stand, a wireless charging stand, since the phones now support wireless charging. Across the industry, most, if not all, of the smartphone companies use the key wireless charging standard. And with this, all wireless charging devices that follow the key standard is also compatible with the smartphones. So for example, I can buy the Samsung wireless stand for their, their phones. If I can put my iPhone on it, it'll charge. Along with this, there's also fast charging feature with the Qi standard, and that usually means around 10 watts instead of 5. However, some phone companies might be a bit under. Apple, as of last year with the iPhone 10, said their fast charging was right in the middle of around 7.5 watts. Anyway, what I'm trying to say here is, for this wireless charging, old phone companies share. They're using one standard, it's all great. Google's now come in, and they have fucked it up. They are the first ones to fuck up this standard. Their new stand for the Pixel phone support fast charging for the Pixel 3 and 3XL, but that's it. If I was to say, have a Pixel 3, but I wanted to charge it on my Samsung wireless charger, it would only charge at a slow 5 watts. It would not get fast charging. Also, if I have an iPhone 10 and I wanted the Pixel stand because, you know, it kind of looks cool. Maybe I want to stand up my phone while, you know, it charges. It'll charge, but it'll charge at 5 watts. Because it is not a Pixel phone, it will not have support fast charging on the Pixel stand. Google has now effectively locked down wireless charging on their new devices, and people are pissed, and rightfully so. In response, though, Google came out and said that they are working with third-party manufacturers to approve third-party wireless chargers to support fast charging for the Pixel 3 phones. But really, Google? Really? Seriously, you want to lock down fucking fast charging for your Pixel phones, one of which has been ridiculed for its huge notch? Like, even Apple went with the key standard. 
for wireless charging, which was a shock because they usually want to do their own thing because they're Apple. Also, having to approve third-party accessories to support fast charging for the Pixels, you don't need that. If I was a company that made wireless chargers, I would not waste my time with this because honestly, the Pixel phones have not sold that well. And until they end their exclusive with Ryzen, in the US, they will never sell well. We started off this podcast with Google doing pretty good. They're taking a turn for a worse, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to get even worse. It is only the third story. If I count it correctly, there's 14 stories this week. Andy Rubin allegedly let go due to sexual harassment. So this is a very, very interesting story that popped up. The New York Times is reporting that when Andy Rubin left Google back in 2014, it was not willingly. One of the figures responsible for the development of Android left Google in 2014 with a $90 million check. The last of it will be paid by Google next month. The report talks about how before... All that happened, Google investigated sexual sexual misconduct claims against Rubin and did find something. One of the claims being that in 2013, Rubin allegedly coerced a Google employee into oral sex in a hotel room. Google's investigation found this claim to be legitimate, and in 2014, Larry Page personally asked him to resign. Before this, Rubin apparently had been known to date employees of Google, even while being married. That marriage did not last long, though, as they recently got divorced earlier this year in August. Now Google is getting a lot of flack for this, and rightfully so. First, they gave him $90 million to leave, along with allowing him to leave gracefully. So it was more like, oh, I'm moving on, you know, all the executives are giving him props, he's a great dude and all that. Make it look like a normal, you know, departure. He gets his money, he leaves. Then as a company, Google supported Rubin's projects, including his venture capital fund, Playground Venture. To make this worse, it has been reported that Google has fired 48 employees due to sexual harassment over the last two years, with none of them getting severance. So why does Rubin get the special treatment? Yes, his work on Android is great, but that does not excuse you for these kind of actions. These actions are disgusting, and shit, man, if it's true, I hope Andy Rubin fails with his essential company. I was just talking about last week how they had to lay off 30% of their staff. I think the biggest hint that this is true, though, is the message CEO Sundar Pichai and VP of People Operations Ellen Naughton has for his employees or did not deny the New York Times story. So to round this up, if this is true, which I'm going to go with the evidence right now, I would say yes, it is. Fuck Google and fuck Andy Rubin. All right, so let's, let's all settle down a little bit. Got some Samsung news. Samsung has announced the Galaxy A phones for China, but with a twist. Samsung announced new mid-range phones for China with the Galaxy A6s and A9s. Now, the A9s is nothing special. It's the same A9 that was announced a while back, just rebranded for China. The unique one here is the A6s. For the Chinese market, the A6s will not be manufactured by Samsung directly. Instead, the A6s is manufactured by Wintech, an original design manufacturer, or ODM. For the phone itself, it is a decent mid-range phone with a 6-inch Super AMOLED screen, runs Android Oreo, and has 6GB of RAM, two 12-megapixel rear cameras, and a 12-megapixel front camera. The thing that makes this a mid-range phone, though, is the processor, a Snapdragon 660. However, for around $250, this is not a bad phone. So why is Samsung starting to get other companies to manufacture their phones for China? Well, it's to switch up their strategy. In China, Samsung is an outsider, being a Korean brand, and The Verge reports that Samsung has less than 1%. 1%! With most people in China either going for an iPhone, or for their home team, such as Huawei or Vivo. Now, I was shocked when I did some research for this story, and I saw that 1% number. I will tell you, when I was in China, it did not feel like that. Samsung phones, including their top-tier ones, are all in the phone stores right next to the Huawei's, right next to the Vivo's, and they have some pretty decent marketing, too. In the bigger cities, they got banner ads everywhere. Like, made it seem like it was America. Samsung is a big player here. But apparently not. Along with this, Samsung has come out and said their strategy is changing a bit when talking to CNBC. Samsung Mobile CEO said, The company is changing its strategy to bring technology and differentiation points starting from the mid-end rather than starting with the flagship model. I'm curious to see 
achieved its new strategy of focusing on the mid-range phones for China along with cutting costs by outsourcing the production of the phones actually yield any results. Yahoo to pay $50 billion due to data breaches. Yahoo has agreed to pay $50 billion in damages to users in the data breach that happened back in 2013. In 2013, Yahoo suffered a data breach, the biggest in history, with 3 billion accounts affected. So with this settlement, it will be granted to 200 million customers in the United States and Israel who held 1 billion of those accounts. They calculated the settlement based on compensating those customers $25 per hour for dealing with the issues caused by this. If you have documents supporting that you had spent time dealing with this, you can get up to 15 hours paid or $375. Along with this, Yahoo will also have to provide credit monitoring for the customers for two years. While Yahoo did agree to this settlement, it is still pending as the court in California where this lawsuit is based has to approve it. Not much to say here except Yahoo fucked up and now Verizon, since they bought Yahoo after this, technically has to pay for half of this, so uh, yeah, that's it. New Model 3 already bumps up the price by $1,000. Remember that new Model 3 I talked about last week and how it was the new lower cost option? at $45,000? Well, that's no longer the case as the car now stands at $46,000. Tesla did not come out and explain why. When the Verge asked for a comment about it though, they did say that they made a slight adjustment to the price and that if you already had a pre-order in at $45,000, they will honor it. I put this story in because I thought it was just funny, but also it's kind of a dick move. Like, why would you have it up? Why would you raise it by 1000 Just announce it at 46000 and be done with it. This feels like a part of the downside to an Elon Musk-run company like Tesla. Yes, you get the CEO who's your PR man, the face of the company, pushing for bold new ideas and getting the public excited about it, and that's great, that's what you want. However, it seems the downside to that is that the smaller details seem to fall through. Like this. While it's not a big deal, it shouldn't have happened. It was just a week after. It's like Apple came out and said, hey, you know, iPhone 11's out, you know, it's $1,100. But then after the announcement, they quietly update the website before pre-order saying that, hey, it's uh, $1,150. With the only reason being price adjustments. And people wouldn't be happy about that. It just doesn't make sense. Speaking of the Model 3, Tesla is being investigated by the FBI over the production of the car. The investigation is about looking into if Tesla misled or lied to investors about their production numbers. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that it's gone to the point where the FBI is interviewing former Tesla employees about the numbers. This goes back to 2017 where Elon Musk talks about the Model 3, saying how they plan to do 20,000 vehicles per month by December 2017. This goes back to 2017 where Elon Musk talks about the Model 3 production, saying how they plan to have 20,000 vehicles per month rolling off the line by December 2017. However, due to production delays and other issues, they were only able to build 2,700 Model 3s in all of 2017. So I have mixed feelings about this and questions. Who started the investigation? Did investors feel cheated and complained enough to start one? Or did the FBI by themselves get curious enough to look into it? Now I think looking at this case at face value, it's bullshit. Tesla miscalculated a bit and had issues that caused them to underproduce. But is that bad enough to have an FBI investigation? Like, if we are going to have an FBI investigation based on this, then let's have one on Ford. Every other car they fucking produce has some kind of issue that needs a recall. Like, consistently subpar vehicles, and that's okay. So while on paper I don't like this investigation, I'm not against people being held accountable. If these interviews and the investigations show that Tesla and Elon Musk knowingly lied to people about the production numbers, then that is a big issue and they should be punished accordingly. And if that's the case, then maybe Elon Musk should step down from CEO. Just be a PR man. That's it. Facebook deletes Iran-linked accounts. In an effort to stop the spread of fake news and misinformation, Facebook has deleted 82 suspicious pages. These pages were Iranian-based pages made to look like U.S. and U.K. organizations. These pages in total were followed by 1 million people. This is now more evidence that there is now an Iranian-influenced campaign, just like the one Russia did during the 2016 election. The head of cybersecurity policy at Facebook, Nathaniel Geecher, 
spoke about uh, spoke about it. Quote, despite attempts to hide their true identities, a manual review of these accounts linked their activity to Iran. We also identified some overlap with the Iranian accounts and pages we removed in August. End quote. I don't have much to say here except, you know, good on Facebook for actually making an effort to investigate some of these pages and groups to see if they're actually genuine. While they should be doing this 24-7 though, it's especially important that they do it now because we're about to have the midterm elections and we do not want a repeat, a repeat of 2016. Facebook receives a tiny fine from the UK over Cambridge Analytica. The UK Information Commissioner's Office said this week that Facebook would be fined £500,000 for the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Quote, we considered these to be so serious we imposed the maximum penalty under the previous leg legislation. End quote. Yes, this ruling is based on previous rules, and since the UK is still a part of the EU, they now have to follow GDPR rules now. The Verge mentions that if the scandal happened after the rules were in place, they could have been fined up to $22 million. I think this fine is nothing, and I'm a bit disappointed in it. Less than a drop in the bucket for Facebook. Now, while I do think they should not receive the full blame here, because they were not the ones taking the data and selling it. That was Cambridge Analytica. However, their system in place allowed it to happen, and they should have been fined at least a few million dollars. I co-founder leaves Facebook. For the second time in just under a month and third one in just over a year, a co-founder of the company or an executive bought by Facebook is leaving the company. This time it is co-founder and former CEO of Oculus, Brendan Earb. However, unlike the founders of Instagram, Earb is even more coy with his announcement, basically saying that he's just leaving and, you know, while he worked there, you know, the team did great things. Now, I do not find this surprising, but it all made sense when TechCrunch published an article saying that Apparently, Facebook has canceled the Oculus Rift 2, which that in and of itself was surprising, but now it makes me think Facebook is going to use Oculus not to push VR technology, but to make cheaper, smaller scale VR devices such as the Oculus Go. Which is nice, but they don't push the envelope. For Eerub, I understand that when your vision and project changes or just gets canceled, you become unhappy with where you are and what you want and you want to leave. He now joins the founders of Instagram and WhatsApp over the past year to leave. China planning to end the privacy of blockchain. China's government has made a proposal to end privacy of blockchain services. If enacted, people using blockchain services must provide their names and national ID card numbers. If you are a company that uses blockchain, you also have new rules as well as including retaining backup of data for six months, allow law enforcement to look at it when necessary, and to also watch out and take down any illegal information that pops up. As of now, the proposal is not law and citizens can comment about it until November 2nd. Amazon Go sets up shop in San Francisco. A while back, I talked about the apparent plans Amazon had for their self-serve Amazon Go stores. And today, I just wanted to give you guys a small update. Amazon has now opened up a new Amazon Go store in San Francisco. Said in the financial district, this is now the third city in America to get one, including Chicago and, of course, Seattle. This falls in line with Bloomberg's reporting of the Amazon Go expansion, which will end up with a couple thousand stores across the U.S. by the end of 2021. Now, when I talked about this before, I thought Amazon would definitely expand rapidly over the next few years, but I did not, and I still don't think it will hit the goal of a couple thousand by the end of 2021. Going back to what's right in front of them, though, Amazon is planning to open up a second Amazon Go store in San Francisco sometime this winter, and for 2019, Chicago can look forward to getting their third store, while New York City will be getting its first. Finally leaving tech, we have a story in games. Twitch is developing a karaoke game. At TwitchCon this week, Twitch announced they are getting into producing video games. Called Twitch Sings, their first game is a karaoke game developed by Harmonix, who made the Rock Band games. Built for live streaming, viewers will be able to request songs via chat and cheer them on or issue challenges. It will be going into a closed beta by the end of the year, but right now there is no release date for the finished game. 
Twitch is very smart for doing this as by beefing up their live streaming and services such as Twitch Things can help them continue to dominate live streaming. Remember, Twitch is owned by Amazon, so while on paper it is YouTube versus Twitch for live streaming and for, you know, getting the streamers to make content, you know, be on your platform, it is really Google versus Amazon. Do not forget that. Finally, we got one story in movies, and this will be our last story. Boba Fett's spin-off movie is dead. After Solo's spectacular crash at the box office, the fate of other spin-off movies was brought into question, and for one of them we have our answer. Speaking to SiriusXM, Lucasfilm's head Kathleen Kennedy said that the Boba Fett spin-off movie is dead, and instead Lucasfilms will be focusing more on the Mandalorian TV show for Disney streaming service. Now this is interesting that she talked about this, because as far as I know, the movie was not officially announced. There was a report over the summer that it was in development with Logan director James Mangold directing. Now another movie that has been rumored for a while but again just like this one has had no official confirmation from Lucasfilms is an Obi-Wan spin-off movie. That is something that would be great and Ian McGregor has expressed interest in it and it would be great if it could happen. With all the time on Tatooine between episode 3 and 4 there is a space to have a movie where Obi-Wan is forced to do something. I hope that Solo's failure does not scare Disney away from doing any more spin-off movies because right now, I like them more than the main episode ones they have been doing. Okay, that is it for this week's episode of What Happened. Hope you found something interesting this week. Either in tech, games, or movies. Maybe maybe you're really excited or upset that the Boba Fett movie just got cancelled. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TylerCallahan95. I'm starting to write more articles on my website again, so you can check that out at TylerCallahan.com. And you can always subscribe to me on YouTube where you can watch the video version of this or any documentaries or anything I do. Thank you for listening and see you next time.